You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hey, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Leveling the Playing Field, where we expose delusions, fallacies, and misunderstandings about markets, investing, and risk. I'm Ken Goldberg, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about what we discussed in the last episode, which was the excessive optimism that the crowd is now exhibiting. And when we see this type of optimism, this complacency of risk, this lack of fear, we tend to see markets peak and roll over. We saw this in 1999 and 2000, when all of a sudden nobody was fearful of these crazy internet stocks that no one had ever heard of and no one even knew what they did. In fact, most of them didn't even make money. But we got so obsessed with them and optimistic about the internet and what it was going to do to our lives, we as a crowd bid the prices up beyond belief. The same thing happened in 2005, 6, and 7. At first, we saw the housing bubble just expand beyond belief. The qualifications to get a mortgage basically went to anyone who could fog up a mirror. No longer did you have to submit financials. No longer did you have to prove the ability to repay the mortgage, you just had to apply. And that's when housing peaked and crashed as the internet stocks and the markets did from 2000 to 2002. Same thing happened with the housing stocks and housing in general, all real estate, as well as taking the banks and many different financial companies down with them from 2000 and six to about 2012. And again, here we are at the optimistic extreme that has never been seen. If you look down at the first chart, it's a replay from last week. So this is the same chart that I showed last week, how the Optimism had become excessive, so excessive that it's now greater than 2006 and 7, greater than 1999 and 2000, and hasn't been this high since 1968. That is quite a statement. Imagine how manic we all now are about just buying every dip, fear of missing out is driving us to do crazy things worth our money. And as you can see from that first chart, it is an omen of bad things to come. As you can see, the stock market, this is the S&P 500 in the black line at the top of that chart versus the green wiggly line in the middle. The green wiggly line is the smoothed out moving average of optimism and pessimism. Pessimism occurs at the green dashed line around 
optimism occurs at the red dash line about 0.6 and excessive optimism is where we are now at 0.8. So we're not just a little bit excessive and a little bit optimistic. We are never seen before in history obsessive about getting into stock prices, getting into markets that we may or may not understand, and so optimistic that we really don't believe that there's any risk. So again, this is just rehashing last week's chart. So we really get a second chance to understand how crazy things have become. Why am I so focused on this? Because as you know, and you have probably said this yourselves, I wish somebody would have told me at the top. I wish someone would have warned me that it was time to get out of the stock market or sell my house if I was looking to do so or make my 401k more conservative so I didn't lose as much. And that's what people miss. They get so wrapped up in the emotions of missing out and what other people are either doing or say that they're doing that they fail to heed the warning. So this is the second week in a row I'm going to warn that this is historic optimism, excessive amounts of gambling and risk assumption, and it does not ever end well. So that is the first chart. Now I want you to look at the second chart. The second chart is a little bit different. It takes a different indicator. In this case, it's called the macro index spread. And it doesn't matter what that is. It only matters what that signals. And as you can see, go all the way to the left side of the screen. You can see that the bear market macro index spread reaches about 50. And that is about as high as it gets. Then it rolls over and plunges through the red dash line, through the green dash line, and all the way down into the green box at the very bottom. That happened in 1974, and it took till 1977 for it to tank. Then over a number of years, 15, 16 years, it took that long for that blue wavy line at the bottom, the bear market macro index spread indicator to get back up above that red dash line. It took until 1990 before it got high enough where it approached the 1974 peak, kind of almost to the 50 level. It's a nominal index number. It almost got to 50, which is in 1974, it got to about 52. What happened then? It rolled over and crashed, fell through the red dash line, through the green dash line, all the way back down into the green box. What happened then? Well, it took another 10 years for the bear market indicator, the blue squiggly line to rise up into 2000. That was a 1999, 2000.com peak, the tech bubble. What happened then? It got to about 35 or so, almost up to the 50 level, turned around, crashed down through the red, down through the green dashed lines and all the way down to the green box. Well, what did that mean? Well, if you remember, from the 1999 peak to the 2002 bottom, the S&P 
crashed 50%. Now, remember, most people don't invest in the S&P. Most of our portfolios are of lesser quality, which is why from 2000 to 2002, most of us suffered more than a 50% loss. What happened then? The indicator bottomed in 2002, 2003, ran back up into the 2007, 2008 peak, got too high, rolled over, blue line crashes through the red dash and the green dash, all the way down to the green box at the bottom. And what happened again? The S&P 500 crashed 50% again. Now, remember, in 2000 to 2002, while the S&P crashed 50%, the NASDAQ crashed 78%. Yeah, almost 80%. And it did so again in 2007 to 2009. Now what's happened? Again, the blue line eventually bottoms in the vicinity of the green box at the bottom and moves on for a number of years. Well, now this is the longest time it's taken to get back up to that 30 to 50 level since the 1974 to 1990 peak. That was 16 years. This time it took from about 2013 to 2023, 10 years. What's it doing now? As you can see, it got to this the highest level. It got to 51 that it's seen since all the way back to 1974. That's how crazy overextended and exuberant this market has become, at least into 2022 when the market peaked. So above that, I show what could happen to the S&P if we only see what happened in the past two cycles. If we only get to see another 50% decline like 2000 to 2002 and a 50% decline like 2007 to 2009, then if we only see a 50% decline again, that will take us from the all-time high of the S&P at 4,800 down close to that 2000 level, just below kind of around 2,400, maybe 2,200. If it gets all the way down to 2,000 on the S&P, then that would be about a almost a 60% decline. And as you can see, that is not out of the ordinary. In fact, if we look at the past 20 years, that's just the average. The average is 50%. Well, you can see how much greater that black line on the top portion of the chart, the S&P, you can see how much greater the extreme got in price. You can see below in the blue swiggly line, the bear market macro index spread indicator, that this is the most extreme reading since 1974. So it's logical to assume that the S&P is not just going to experience the average of the past two revolutions going back 20 years, a 50% decline, it's logical to believe that the S&P is probably going to experience something greater than 50%. Again, if it falls 50%, it's going to fall to 2,400. If it falls 60%, it's going to come down to that 2,000 level. And if it falls more than that, who knows how low it can get. 
it's not unheard of that indexes can fall more than 60%. As we know, and as I just pointed out, in 2000 to 2002, in 30 months, the NASDAQ fell 78%. So what we do know, if you look down at the bottom indicator, that blue line is about to break below that bubble, that circle, just like it has every single time since 1950. And it's going to head down along the path of that red arrow. And it's likely going to get down to at least minus 50, which is where every other bear market has taken the macro index spread indicator. If this is a bigger bear market than we've seen in the past 50 years, or if it at least matches the worst bear market that we've seen in the past 50 years, the 1974 bear market, then that blue line is going to get all the way down closer to minus 75, which means in the above chart, the S&P 500, that's probably going to go well below 2,000. Well worse, far worse than just a 50% market crash. And I give these two charts to you, both the excessive optimism chart, which is currently at the highest level in history, and this second chart, this new chart, the macro index spread indicator, which has just double topped with the highest reading in history in 1974, to warn that although we're being told on financial TV and everybody else who has something to gain, that everything's going to be okay and just stay the course. Well, I don't have anything to gain other than to warn people who are looking for the truth. I don't have any financial interest in anyone's account. I don't get commission. I gain nothing by pointing out what history has done and what the probability shows could happen, maybe even should happen in the near future. So you have to wonder, do you want to believe those that have something to gain, like brokerage firm economists and brokerage firm strategists who are trying to keep their clients fully invested, or perhaps people like me who have no financial interest in anything other than to bring out the truth and make sure that people are informed. I don't know. It's a choice. Everybody gets to make it. Okay. Now let's look at the third chart. The third chart is super interesting, and most people never get to see this. This is what I call the mood pendulum. And what it does is it tracks the crowd's mood as we move from depression or despondency up through optimism. I'm looking at the far left, up through optimism and excitement and thrill and euphoria, which we were last year in 2021, 2022, when Bitcoin was at 70,000 and the S&P was at all-time highs, the Dow was at all-time highs, the Russell, the Nasdaq, everything was at all-time highs. Real estate was at all-time highs. That was euphoria. It didn't matter what the asset was. It only mattered that we were in it. And the green box to the left is what we all end up thinking. Wow, am I smart? In other words, when the markets raise prices that increase our wealth to a point where we're all euphoric, 
we believe we did it. Wow, I'm smart. And then we fail to look at the risk. And that's what the downside of that mountain looks like. As we roll through anxiety, down through denial, through fear that we're going to lose our wealth, through desperation that nothing's working. And no matter what people have said and we've trusted what they said, it's not working. And then when we realize that it's not working and we don't know who to trust, we panic. And then we capitulate. We throw in the towel. We say, oh, we don't know if stocks are going to go up or down, but we can't take the pain anymore. And then we become despondent again, depressed, where it doesn't matter what stocks could do. It only matters that they stop doing what they've been doing, which is soaking our wealth and destroying our net worth and our style of living. What happens then? We become too depressed, too despondent. We overreact, just like we overreacted at the top of the hill, up in euphoria. Now we're at the bottom of the hill. We can't believe it. We told ourselves we would never buy stocks again. Look at the green box to the left. How could I have been so wrong? That's what we're all thinking at the same time, which is why we go through fear and desperation and panic, capitulation, and we get so depressed that we sell all of our stocks, no matter what they are, no matter what their prospects are, just so the pain can stop. Well, what happens then? The same thing that happens every other time a bear market runs its course. We're in depression. And then markets start to rise. And then we say, wait, they're not falling anymore. They're actually getting better. Maybe there's hope. And stocks start to rise again. And if we still have any left over from the crash, we say, oh my God, thank God they're starting to come back up. I'm nowhere near as, as well off as I used to be, but oh, at least there's some relief. And then they continue to rise. That puts us back into optimism. Now look far left. What happens after optimism? We all get into excitement. We agree in mass that okay, the worst is over. And so we get excited that maybe we can rebuild our wealth. And as stocks and assets continue to rise in value, we start to see the thrill again. We start to forget what happened. And eventually we move back into euphoria. We roll over and the peak rolls us down the hill and we do this over and over again. It's never changed. It's never been different. It happened in 1929. It happened in 1937. It happened in 1966. It happened in the 1970s. It happened in the 1990s. It happened in 1999, 2000, into the 2002 despondent depression crash. It happened again in 2007 to 2009 and 10. It happened again already in 2021 when the markets have peaked again and have now begun to move down that big hill in the middle that we see, right? Remember last summer as stocks were crashing into last summer, we reached anxiety and the Fed was in denial. The Fed kept telling us that everything's okay and there's no inflation. And as they changed their mind to there is inflation, we started to get fearful. And Luckily, 
markets bottom in October, as we forecast them to do, and have been rising ever since. And they've been rising into this March-April period, which we also forecasted stock prices would do. We also said that if you need to sell real estate in the next five to 10 years, you better use that rise into March and April and May of 2023 to offload your real estate. Because once the market turns down again for stocks, for real estate, for many other financial assets, real estate prices probably will not regain these levels for a decade or more. Think about that, a decade or more. In fact, last week, new data just came out that the real estate rollover, the prices are now affecting commercial real estate, not just single family homes, but offices, office buildings. And so much so that San Francisco now boasts its worst vacancy rate in the history of the city. 30% is the number of vacancies that now experienced by San Francisco commercial space owners. 30% vacancy. They've never had that. They didn't have it in 07 through 09. They didn't have it 2000 to 2002. They've never had it, and now they have it. And guess what? It's not over. It's just beginning. So again, we as humans act along this pendulum, this mood pendulum, and we can't get out of our own way. Why? Because our ego and emotions never change. As long as we are human, we're going to act like humans. And when we act like humans together, we become euphoric together and bid prices up in all assets to crazy levels. And we panic together and become depressed together and smash prices down as we run to get out of the way. So this is a reminder I wanted to put out to people. Print it out. I put them here so you can print them, keep them handy, and Maybe decide if you want to step aside, make a different choice, take a different path. Don't let the same lesson be taught to you. Again, if you've already learned this lesson, remind yourself what happened the last time. Remind yourself what happened to your wealth in 2007 to 2010. Remind yourself what happened in 2000 to 2002. Remind yourself how it felt to wait from 2002 to 2007 to regain your former level of wealth. Ask yourself right here and right now, you've already experienced a loss of net worth, a loss of your wealth from the all-time high over a year ago. Here's a five-month rally in stock prices. You're not at the same level. Ask yourself right here and right now, how will it feel to spend 5, 10, or 15 years to come trying to get back to the wealth level of the 2021 peak of the all-time high? And if you can't take that risk, if you can't take that time, if that would interrupt your plans, your retirement, if that would impact your 
ability to fund your children's or your grandchildren's education, if that would change the way you live, then take the opportunity to take action before it's too late. All right. We wanted to thank everyone for paying attention, for following along with the charts, and really for keeping an open mind and considering the things that we're talking about. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Hey, I really wanted to thank everyone for honoring us and taking the time to listen to our show. There's, of course, tens of thousands of podcasts out there now, and we're grateful that you find the time to come back and listen to ours. Just know that we got you. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.